to all my friends and fellow Morgies. Hello, it is I, Crystal Clear. To new listeners and strangers and estranged friends, welcome. I present to you more Morgoms. We're going to have a great episode today. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned. I don't know, guys. Maybe maybe the government made Morgulons. Maybe they didn't. Maybe another government did. Y'all, if you've ever listened to this show before, pretty much know my theory. I think it's either aliens or China. And there might be even Chinese aliens involved. I'm not sure. And I'm not an expert. But I do have some new research, guys. Yeah. But anyway, I've been working on my geospatial temporal Morgulons outbreak hot map. That's a mouthful. Uh, for about a year, maybe, I guess. I, I think I started this around, like, August of last year. So, um, after a year, I have increased my sample size of this study uh, to 160. It's still not enough to create a very meaningful hot map, but um, but it's a start, guys. You want help? Well, what I've learned through Morgulons is you got to help yourself. <laughs> Don't go out there looking for the answers. Nobody has them. The results. Drum roll, please. Okay, drum roll is a little long. Wrap, wrap up the drum roll. Thank you. All right, and the results are the number one place in the United States to get Morgulons. Everybody get your plane tickets. It's California. It's still California. They also have the largest population, so take that with a grain of salt. Number two surprisingly, is Georgia. Yes! Hey, I, I, I did not bring the morgues here. I got them from somebody else or something else in Georgia. Hey, can you stop doing me? I'm a victim here too. I mean, I'm not a victim, I'm a survivor. Oh. And number three, the state where the woke go to die. Florida. Actually, I don't know if you've ever been to South Beach, but the woke do not go to die there. They go to get sex change operations. Okay. And then in a tie for number four, honorable mention, Texas and Michigan. Texas, also one of the most populous states in the country. California, Florida, Texas. Those are the three most populous states. Surprisingly, they are not the three top states for Morgulons. There's also Georgia. Thanks, Georgia. Georgia, you gave me Morgza. Can you get this shit out of my eyes? I believed, I'm just going off of memory here, guys, but there was a like four-way tie for number five, and I didn't rank anything after that, but that tie was between, I believe it was Pennsylvania, Ohio, Tennessee, and Washington. So, yeah, cannot believe I knew that off the top of my head. The morgues have not eaten all of my gray matter yet. And then the other thing that I've been tracking is, you know, the timeline. When have been, you know, have people been getting more Morgulons as time goes on? Or, you know, as one would expect from a mass hysteria spread by the internet, mass delusional disorder, uh, foile a country, foile a globe, one would probably expect the coverage, notoriety, encounters with the term, the idea of Morgulons uh, in the general population, you would think they would go down after 2012, wouldn't you? 
since that's when the CDC, quote, solved this, quote, mystery by doing a survey monkey on 70 people and writing a paper called Unexplained Dermopathy, Dermopathy, Morgulons. But no, no, the research does not bear out that theory, my friends. It has continued to bear out my theory, which is that Morgulons cases increased starting in the year 2015, and then they really amped up, got on some steroids, started doing push-ups, and hitching a ride on any mosquito, tick, or blood sucker they could find. Because the data has shown of 160 people that 76% have gotten this since 2015. Of those 76%, fully 46% have gotten it since 2020. Of the 30 different uh, patient reports that I assessed and analyzed today, nearly 20 of them were from cases since 2020. That's two thirds, y'all. I don't even need a calculator, man. I'm all fired today. I think going back to work has sharpened me up a little bit. Oh shit, I hate to interrupt your rarely scheduled programming of more Morgulons, but I got a breaking news story. It's the Committee on Oversight and Accountability, the hearings on UFOs. Should we listen? Allow me to introduce you to the first witness. Chairman Groffman, Ranking Member Garcia, distinguished members of the House Oversight Subcommittee on National Security, Representative Burchett and Luna. My name is Ryan Fobbs Graves, and I'm a former F-18 pilot with a decade of service in the U.S. Navy, including two deployments in Operation Enduring Freedom and Operation Inherent Resolve. I have experience advanced UAP firsthand, and I'm here to voice the concerns of more than 30 commercial aircrew and military veterans who have confided their similar encounters with me. Today, I would like to highlight three critical issues that demand our action. As we convene here, UAP are in our airspace, but they are grossly underreported. These sightings are not rare or isolated, they are routine. Military aircrew and commercial pilots, trained observers whose lives depend on accurate identification, are frequently witnessing these phenomena. The stigma attached to UAP is real and powerful and challenges national security. It silences commercial pilots who fear professional repercussions, discourages witnesses, and is only compounded by recent government claims questioning the credibility of eyewitness testimony. Parts of our government are aware of more about UAP than they let on, but excessive classification practices keep crucial information hidden. Since 2021, all UAP videos are classified as secret or above. This level of secrecy not only impedes our understanding, but fuels speculation and mistrust. In 2014, I was an F-18 Foxtrot pilot in the Navy Fighter Attack Squadron 11, the Red Rippers. And I was stationed at NAS Oceana in Virginia Beach. After upgrades were made to our jet's radar systems, we began detecting unknown objects operating in our airspace. At first, we assumed they were radar errors. But soon, we began to correlate the radar tracks with multiple onboard sensors, including infrared systems, eventually through visual ID. During a training mission in Warning Area Whiskey 72, 10 miles off the coast of Virginia Beach, two F-18 Super Hornets were split by a UAP. The object, described as a dark gray or a black cube inside of a clear sphere, came within 50 feet of the lead aircraft and was estimated to be 5 to 15 feet in diameter. The mission commander terminated the flight immediately and returned base. Our squadron submitted a safety report, but there was no official acknowledgement of the incident and no further mechanism to report the sightings. 
Soon, these encounters became so frequent that air crew would discuss the risk of UAP as part of their regular pre-flight briefs. Recognizing the need for action and answers, I founded Americans for Safe Aerospace. The organization has since become a haven for UAP witnesses who were previously unspoken due to the absence of a safe intake process. More than 30 witnesses have come forward and almost 5,000 Americans have joined us in the fight for transparency at safearospace.org. The majority of witnesses are commercial pilots at majority major airlines. Often, they are veterans with decades of flying experience. Pilots are reporting UAP at altitudes that appear above them at 40,000 feet, potentially in low Earth orbit or in the gray zone below the Kármán line, making inexplainable maneuvers like right-hand turns and retrograde orbits or J-hooks. Sometimes these reports are reoccurring, with numerous recent sightings north of Hawaii and in the North Atlantic. Other veterans are also coming forward to us regarding UAP encounters in our airspace and oceans. The most compelling involve observations of UAP by multiple witnesses and sensor systems. I believe these accounts are only scratching the surface and more will share their experiences once it is safe to do so. In closing, I recognize the skepticism surrounding this topic. If everyone could see the sensor and video data I witnessed, our national conversation would change. I urge us to put aside stigma and address the security and safety issue this topic represents. If UAP are foreign drones, it is an urgent national security problem. If it is something else, it is an issue for science. In either case, unidentified objects are concerned for flight safety. The American people deserve to know what is happening in our skies. It is long overdue. Thank you. All right, we have our second witness recently stepped forward under a whistleblower complaint. Uh, ranking members and congressmen, uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is an important issue and I'm grateful for your time. My name is David Charles Grush. I was an intelligence officer for 14 years, in the, both in the U.S. Air Force, uh, both active duty Air National Guard and Reserve, at the rank of major, and most recently from 2021 to 2025, or excuse me, 2023. This dude's been time traveling. Uh, at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, NGA, uh, at the GS-15 civilian level, which is uh, the military equivalent of a full bird colonel. Full bird colonel, that makes me hungry. I was my agency's co-lead in unidentified anomalous phenomena and transmedium object analysis, as well as reporting to the UAP task force, UAPTF, uh, and eventually, once it was established, uh, the All Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, Arrow. I became a whistleblower through a PPD-19 urgent concern filing in uh, May 2022 uh, with the Intelligence Community Inspector General. Uh, following concerning reports from multiple esteemed and credentialed current and former military and intelligence community individuals that the U.S. government is operating with secrecy above congressional oversight uh, with regards to UAPs. My testimony is based on information I've been given by individuals with a long-standing track record of legitimacy and service to this country, many of whom also have shared compelling evidence in the form of photography, official documentation, and classified oral testimony to myself and many co my various colleagues. I have taken every step I can to corroborate this evidence over a period of four years while I was with the UAP task force and do my due diligence on the individual sharing it. Uh, this is because of these steps, I believe strongly uh, in the importance of bringing this information before you. I am driven by a commitment of both uh, to truth and transparency rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the United States Constitution 
and protect the American people. I'm asking Congress to hold our government to this standard and thoroughly investigate these claims. But as I stand here under oath now, I am speaking to the facts as I've been told them. In the U.S. Air Force, in my National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, Reservist Capacity, I was a member of the UAP Task Force from 2019 to 2021. I served at the NRO Operations Center on the Director's Briefing Staff, which included the coordination of the Presidential Daily Brief and supporting variety of contingency operations, which I was the Reserve Intelligence Division Chief uh, backup. In 2019, the UAP Task Force Director asked me to identify all special access programs and controlled access programs, also known as SAPs and CAPs, uh, we needed to satisfy our congressionally mandated mission, and we were direct report at the time to the DEPSECDEF. At the time, due to my extensive executive level intelligence support duties, I was cleared to literally all uh, relevant departments and in a position of extreme trust, both in my military and civilian capacities. Uh, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade uh, UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, uh, to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons when I uh, requested it. I made the decision, based on the data I collected, to report this information to my superior, superiors and multiple inspectors general, and in effect becoming a whistleblower. As you know, I've suffered retaliation for my decision, uh, but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead uh, to a positive outcome of uh, increased transparency. Uh, thank you, and I'm happy to answer your questions. All right, let's hear from the final witness. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, Congressman, Congresswoman. I want to first thank you for the invitation to speak to the committee on the UAP topic that has been in the news for the past six years and seems to be continuing to gain momentum. As you know, my name is David Fravor. I'm a retired commander in the United States Navy. In 2004, I was a commanding officer of Strike Fighter Squadron 41, the world-famous Black Aces. We were attached to Carrier Wing 11, stationed on board the USS Nimitz, and had begun a two-month workup cycle off the coast of California. On this day, we were scheduled for a 2v2 air-to-air training with the USS Princeton as our control. When we launched off Nimitz, my wingman was joining up. We were told that the training was going to be suspended and we were going to proceed with real-world tasking. As we proceeded to the west, the air controller was counting down the range to an object that we were going to, and we were unaware of what we were going to see when we arrived. There, uh, the controller told us that these objects uh, had been observed for over two weeks, coming down from over 80,000 feet rapidly descending to 20,000 feet, hanging out for hours, and then going straight back up, for those who don't realize, above 80,000 feet is space. 
We arrived at the location at approximately 20,000 feet in a controller called Merge Plot, which means that our radar blip is now in the same resolution cell as the contact. As we looked around, we noticed that we saw some white water off our right side. It's important to note that the weather on this day was as close to perfect as you could ask for off the coast of San Diego. Clear skies, light winds, calm seas, no white caps from waves. So the white water stood out in a large blue ocean. All four of us, because we were in F-18F, so we had pilots and Wizzo in the back seat, looked down a small, saw white tic-tac object with a longitudinal axis pointing north-south and moving very abruptly over the water like a ping-pong ball. There were no rotors, no rotor wash, or any sign of visible control surfaces like wings. As we started clockwise towards the object, my wizard and I decided to go down and take a closer look with the other aircraft staying in high cover to observe both us and the tic-tac. We proceeded around the circle about 90 degrees from the start of our descent, and the object, object suddenly shifted its longitudinal axis, aligned it with my aircraft, and began to climb. We continued down another 270 degrees, nose low, where the tic-tac, or we consumed 270 degrees toward, and we went nose low to where the tic-tac would have been. Our altitude at this point was about 15,000 feet, and the tic-tac was about 12,000. As we pulled nose onto the object within about a half mile of it, it rapidly accelerated in front of us and disappeared. Our wingmen, roughly 8,000 feet above us, lost contact also. We immediately turned back to see where the whitewater was at, and it was gone also. So as we started to turn back towards the east, the controller came up and said, sir, you're not going to believe this, but that thing is at your cat point, roughly 60 miles away in less than a minute. You can calculate the speed. We returned to Nimitz. We were taking off our gear. We were talking to one of my crews who was getting ready to launch. We mentioned it to him, and they went out and luckily got the video that you see, that 90-second video. What you don't see is the radar tape that was never released, and we don't know where it's at, of the active jamming that the object put on an APG-73 radar, and I can get into modes later if you're interested what is shocking to us is that the incident was never investigated. None of my crew were ever questioned. Tapes were never taken. And after a couple of days, it turned into a great story with friends. It wasn't until 2009 until Jay Stratton had contacted me to investigate. Unbeknownst to all, he was part of the ATIP program in the Pentagon led by Lou Elizondo. Uh, and there was an unofficial official report that came out that's now on the Internet. Years later, I was contacted by the other pilot, Alex Dietrich, and asked if I'd been contacted. And I said, no, but I'm willing to talk. I was contacted by Mr. Elizondo. And uh, we talked for a short period of time, and he said we'd be uh, in contact. A few weeks after that, I was made aware that Lou had left the Pentagon in protest and joined forces with Tom DeLonge, Chris Mellon, Steve Justice, and others to form Two Stars Academy, an organization that pressed the issue with leading industry experts and U.S. government officials. They worked with Leslie Keene, who was present today, Ralph Blumenthal, and Helene Cooper to publish the articles in the New York Times 2017 uh, New York Times. And it removed the stigma on the topic of UFOs, which is why we're here today. Those articles open the door for the government and public that cannot be closed. It has led to an interest from our elected officials who are not focused on little green men, but figuring out where these craft are, where are they from, the technology they possess, how do they operate. It also led to the Whistleblower Protection Act and the NDAA. There are multiple witnesses coming forward to say uh, that have firsthand knowledge, and, and Mr. Grush just covered that. What concerns me is that there's no oversight from our elected officials on anything associated with our government processing or working on craft. Uh, believe not from this world. This issue is not a full public disclosure that could undermine national security, but it is about ensuring that our system of checks and balances works across all work done in the government using taxpayer funds. Relative to government programs, even unacknowledged way programs, have some level of oversight by the appropriate committee members in the House and Senate. And this work that is said to be occurring from whistleblower testimonies should not be exempt. 
In closing, I would like to say that the Tic Tac object we engaged in 2004 was far superior to anything that we had on time, have today, or are looking to develop in the next 10 years. If we, in fact, have programs that possess this technology and needs to have oversight from those people that the citizens of this great country elected in office to represent what is best for the United States and best for the citizens, I thank you for your time. Wow. Just, I've heard all of these stories before, but hearing them in this setting... Uh, felt really powerful to me. It, it was nice to see something, for the most part, that was bipartisan occurring in government. There was only one bitter old lady with really bad clip-on earrings who decided to use her time to get a jab in on old Biden, Sleepy Joe. But um, even woke warriors and uh, sex tra traffickers, and by that I mean, of course, that New York woman, Os Oscarina Del... Octavia or something, and the uh, other one, Gates, the, yeah, the sex trafficker from Florida. But anyway, yeah, everybody was being cool, and it was just like, all right, here's proof that these people are not demons, they are not enemies, they are not others, they are people. Um, so that was nice, and, and although I found the witnesses 100% credible, I found their reports 100% credible. I don't have any doubt that they believe what they saw and they're telling the truth. And I also felt curious the whole time I was watching how Project Bluebeam, you know, integrates in all of this. And, you know, if substantiated, uh, what David Grush has said, it just can't be explained by a hoax or a conspiracy. It, if, the, the things that they are saying can be corroborated. And it sounds like we've already got the evidence to corroborate the firsthand sightings um, of the pilots that testified. But if we can also corroborate what was going on with uh, David Grush's stories, that would be, well, that would just be world changing. I mean, it would overturn everything that we think about what we know. Um, also, I just have to put this out there because I could not help but wonder if David Grush, like the other whistleblower, Dr. Andrew Huff, who blew the whistle to um, all of the intelligence agencies and law enforcement, federal law enforcement, FBI, NSA, Homeland Security, CIA, he came forward as a whistleblower and said, hey, uh, Peter Dozak told me that Eco Health Alliance was a front for the CIA in 2015. And then he was swiftly gang stalked. He, his wife, his employees at his company that he runs, they were all gang stalked. Everything he described uh, that happened to him in retaliation was essentially gang stalking. He put in an FOIA request, Freedom of Information Act. Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal this extraterrestrial technology? Yes. Personally. Have you heard, have anyone been murdered? that you would think that you know of or have heard of, I guess. I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. In the last couple of years, have you had incidences that have caused you to be in fear for 